for, for those who don't know me or haven't met me, my name is Caleb. I'm the pastor of student ministries here. And we have two kids, five and three, Theo and Darcy May. Uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about technology. So show of hands, how many of you would agree with this statement? Raising kids is more complicated and difficult now than it was when you were kids. Okay, that, I mean, that's, that, that's, about, that's about right, for, statistically speaking. So according to uh, research done by the Barna Group back in 2017, 78% of parents feel this way, that, that parenting is somehow harder now than it was 20, 30 years ago. And when asked why that's the case, uh, the number one answer everyone gave was technology. Uh, and, and my guess is you agree with that because you are here this morning instead of one of our other great workshops that we're putting on. So what about technology makes it so much more difficult to parents? And, uh, let's just, I'm going to make my way over to the whiteboard. Let's just make it semi-practical. What are some of the issues you are facing as parents when it comes to technology? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, straight into the home. Okay. So a more pervasive influence. What other issues, whether abstract or concrete? It's everywhere. Yeah, technology's everywhere. <laughs> Literally everywhere. Uh, yeah. spelling's not as great as it should be. Um, right. How, how do you monitor or control access? Should you monitor and control access? I think it also gives bad actors a stage, a bigger stage. I mean, it used to be that you would have to go to a red light district to Sketchy stuff. Yeah. So the, these are these are good general issues with technology. My guess is that what you end up fighting with your kids about are a little more concrete, like the whole like the monitoring thing, or why can't I watch this movie, or Timmy has a phone, why don't I have a phone? Uh, and so we're going to talk about some of that stuff today. Um, but I, I don't, I don't want to just be uh, give a guy a fish type of workshop. We're going to talk about some of the issues <laughs> that you'll, you'll end up facing or you are currently facing. My goal is actually a little bit loftier. 
uh, what I'd like to do this morning is focus on what our goal is as parents and how that goal shapes the way we interact with technology. Uh, and so, so we're going to make three movements. I want us to look at, at a text of scripture that sets the stage, gives us the goal as parents, how that might reshape the way we interact with technology in a few common spheres. And, and then we'll leave some time to just dialogue about what are some of the issues you're facing? How can we help each other process this in a, in a, a, a godly way? So um, would you take your Bibles, if you have them, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we're going to start in <coughs> verse 4. And I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we confess our need for you uh, as we talk about how to parent well in the digital age. Father, as we just listed out on the wiper, there are many uh, influences, points of contention when it comes to technology. Would you give us uh, insight from your word this morning of how we might shepherd our children well? Um, Father, would you be with me this morning? Would you help me to think and speak clearly, bring honor and glory to your name? We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, my guess is that you are familiar, at least with the first couple of verses in, in the passage we're looking at this morning. It's, it's referred to as the Shema, which sounds really cool, but it's actually quite lazy. Uh, Shema is a Hebrew word that simply means to hear. And so they took the first word of the passage, and that's what they named the passage. Uh, but in, in Hebrew vocabulary, uh, to shema something doesn't just mean to hear it. It means to hear it and obey it. They don't separate the two. If you hear something, you obey it. And if you aren't obeying it, you haven't heard it. And so Moses is going to lay out for them the most important thing for them to hear and do. And we find that in verse 5. They are to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and might. Uh, in, in other words, they are to give themselves completely to following the Lord's commands and reflecting his character. What I want us to notice is where this teaching takes place. It doesn't primarily take place in the tabernacle. It takes place in the home. Parents are tasked with the responsibility of training up their children to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, strength, and their neighbor as their self, as Jesus will expand it. And so our goal as parents is to form our children to be those who are faithful to God in an unbelieving age. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so what does that look like exactly? Practically speaking, what are we trying to do? And I want to propose to you, we're trying to see two things happen in our children. We want to see our children become wise, 
And we want to see our children become courageous. Wisdom, of course, uh, is not knowledge. Knowledge is the mastery of information. Wisdom is, underst- is understanding that, that guides action. Uh, let me try to illustrate the difference. So um, a few years back, there was a popular TV show about a group of scientists. And there's these four guys in a car. They're taking a road trip, and they start experiencing car trouble. Engines start sputtering, whatever. So they pull off to the side of the road. And the scientist driving the car turns to his friends and says, hey, does anyone know anything about an internal combustion engine? And these men are brilliant. So like, yes, of course, it's rudimentary. We know everything there is to know about it. Do any of you know how to fix it? Oh, no, no, we couldn't. No, we don't do that. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. They had all the knowledge in the world about the internal combustion engine. They didn't have wisdom. They had no understanding about how that should guide their action whenever push came to shove. And so when we're talking about wisdom, we are talking about the ability to discern what the right thing to do in a given situation is. And that is far more than memorizing the rules. Um, It's understanding what the Bible says and how that interacts with the murky muddiness of everyday life. And family is a very unique position to, to cultivate wisdom for two specific reasons. One, family proves that we are all fools. Um, if, if wisdom is knowing what we ought to do, foolishness is the exact opposite. Foolishness is not living in step with God's character and commands. And sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking that we are wise. The home takes away that uh, illusion. Um, perhaps you've, uh, you've experienced it, this one before. You've thought that you were a rather selfless individual, and then you had kids. Right? You realize how selfish you really are for your sleep and your time and, and your, your physical space. Family has a way of highlighting our foolishness because otherwise we can hide it from our friends, our coworkers, our Twitter followers. But it's prominently displayed in the home to our family. And yet, in families, our foolishness is not just seen, it's also forgiven, and loved, right? If our foolishness was truly on display for the rest of the world, we would be canceled or fired. And yet, in the home, it's dealt with. It's nurtured. It's loved and forgiven out of us. You see that in your kids, right? At first, little kids think the world revolves around them, that everything the light touches is theirs to play with and have. But over time, and nurture, they become empathetic and self-giving. Same thing happens to us as parents, right? We, we start out thinking we're selfless, but really self-centered, and, and we, we, we slowly and surely come to a point where we are more loving and self-giving than we ever imagined. It's because of the family. It's the place where foolishness is seen and nurtured out of us. And so we need wisdom. We're trying to develop wisdom in our kids. But it's not enough just to, to, to know that we ought to love God and others. Well, we also need courage. Uh, courage is doing what you know you ought to do. 
Because it's not enough to, to, to know that we should love God and others. It's not enough to know how we ought to love God and to love others. We ought to do it. And that is hard. It is immensely difficult. Um, it's difficult, it's painful, and oftentimes it's ostracizing. And just like wisdom, courage is best learned in the family. This is the place where we can not just demonstrate the right choice, but how to bear the lashes for making it. And that's the goal of parenting. That's, that's what you and I are setting out to accomplish in the lives of our children. And what this does, if this is our goal, it changes the conversation we need to have about technology. Because typically we talk about technology as if it is a moral issue. TikTok is evil. There's a lot of horrible stuff on TV, so only show your kids veggie tales. Uh, I wish we could go off the grid and just protect our kids from all of this. We have to acknowledge technology is actually a great thing. I went to visit my parents yesterday who live about an hour and a half away. I could not have done that without technology. <laughs> I, I don't think I would go very far from my home without Google Maps. A and the great thing about driving back late at night was that my mom didn't have to wonder, is Caleb and the kids on the side of the road? She could just send me a text. Technology is a wonderful thing. It's a great expression of human creativity and image bearing. The question is not, is technology bad? The question is, how will we use technology to accomplish the goal? Because we need to be honest, technology, though it's good for a lot of things, is, is, at, is at best neutral in actually shaping the character we want to see in our kids. Do you know what's great at that? Parents. Family. And, and so what, what they actually need is engagement with people. You. They need engagement with you. And if we are outsourcing that to apps or technology or anyone else, we're kind of just kind of dismissing our responsibility as parents. And so that's, that's the goal. We're trying to shape our children into those who are wise and courageous, who love the Lord, heart, soul, and strength. And that's going to require intentionality from us. It's not just going to happen. It's going to take a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And it's actually going to take some totality. And by that, I mean it's not just going to happen because you had one conversation or they come on Sundays, which is, is the point of verses 7, 8, and 9. Uh, the, so the great interpretive question in these verses is, is Moses being literal or is it metaphorical? Does he literally want us to always be, like the every word you say has to be some, in some relation to the Shema, or is it more of a metaphor to say it needs to be all-encompassing? It's a metaphor. Don't, don't take it literal. But, but it does provide us some vignettes, some snapshots of where where we need to be wise about how technology interacts with our family. So what I want to do is I want to give you four. Moses gives us four different areas where he says you need to instruct your children. And I want to talk for a couple of minutes with you about how, how we might be wise and courageous in our interaction on these four fronts. And I want to use that as um, to propel us into conversing about whatever it is that brought you in today. Okay, so the first thing Moses tells us 
is that we should talk about this with the Shema, with our kids, when we sit in our homes. One of the things that we really need to think about is how does technology shape the physical space of our homes? Um, physical space is a reflection of your goal. I look at, I'm, so in this room, we could have done a couple of different setups, right? We could have just had rows of chairs. We chose round tables. Why do you think that is? What? Yes, yes, because we want it to be, I mean, right now it's a monologue, right? But we want it to be dialogical at some point here. And, and I don't want you just looking at me. I want you talking to each other. And so the physical space sets up what I'm trying to accomplish this morning. If we set up in rows, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's trying to accomplish a different purpose. I just want you to shut up and listen to me, right? And so physical space orients us to something. And my guess is that if you were to think about the physical space of your homes, it's probably orienting your family toward technology. Think about... Think about like your, your, your sitting spaces. What are they all pointed toward? Or, or, or where, where do phone chargers live in your house? Or, or, or how many TVs do you have? And where are they? And, and uh, understand, I'm not telling you to go home and just knock out walls and remodel your house. <laughs> what, what, what I want you to be aware of is that our physical spaces are set up to make it easier for our families to respond a certain way. We call these nudges. Uh, a nudge is something that draws our attention a certain way. It doesn't make you do anything. It just makes it easier for you to do certain things. For example, notifications on your phone. Notifications do not make you check your phone. They don't force your hand to go in your pocket and pull out your phone. But boy, do they nudge you to do that, right? As soon as you hear that bell or you feel that vibration, you're nudged into that action. It's easier for you to do it because it draws your attention there. Um, Costco lovers? Costco fans? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Costco samples are nudges. They're not trying to be nice. They're not trying to tide you over to lunch. They are trying to get you to buy something. And by sampling it, they are nudging you toward buying something that I assume is not selling well. Um, we are being nudged every which way, every single day. And one of the things that we can do as parents is to set up the physical space that we control to nudge ourselves and our children toward being wise, courageous individuals, to setting up that interaction with us that needs to happen. And so perhaps... Perhaps cell phones eat dinner somewhere else. Or um, perhaps that means that, that TVs are moved out of the bedroom and into a common space. That way they have to learn how to love one another well, even with what program they choose. Or, uh, or perhaps headphones aren't worn in common spaces, promoting community versus isolation. Now, please, I'm not saying do these things. I'm trying to help us think about what would it look like 
to prioritize engagement where we can help to shape our children to be wise and courageous individuals. Some of these might not work. All of these might not work for you. Just trying to get th- give you some tracks to run on. So that's one space, right? One area that we could focus on is, ha- is um, when we sit in our house. Moses gives us a second one. Also in verse 7, um, when you walk by the way. In other words, when you travel. Do you guys drive a lot? You bust your kids around to and fro. Kind of tiring, isn't it? It kind of just like, just get me from point eight, just, just get it over with. You, you cannot wait until your oldest can drive so that they can help chauffeur people around. And I get that. But perhaps car rides are actually an opportunity to engage with each other. Um, I mean, and think about it. You have your kids in the car, and they can go nowhere. <laughs> they cannot avoid you. <laughs> I mean, maybe they can get up to four feet away from you. That's it. It's quite possible that, that car time is one of the times that we can be most present with each other. But, but there are a couple of challenges to overcome, right? One challenge is how long it takes to get a conversation going. Did you know studies have shown that it takes about seven minutes for a real conversation to, to get going? Up to that point, you can go through all the typical pleasantries. You ready for the Browns game? Um, did you see the weather? How's work going? It takes about seven minutes to move through all the niceties and actually get to some substance. I'm not knocking the niceties. Small talk is very important. But the conversations that you and I need to have with our kids are those deeper things, and that takes a little bit of time to build to. That seven minutes gets broken really fast whenever the phone comes out or the AirPods get put in. And so, perhaps, oh, and I should clarify, I'm not saying that in the car you can never play a DVD or you should never let your kids have their phones or whatever. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I wonder if in the car if we turned it into more of a communal experience versus an isolated one. Like, there's these things called audiobooks. How many of you, like, were in the Adventures in Odyssey era? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Those were great, right? And they always spurred some type of conversation and, and shared experience between the parent and the kids. Or, uh, or shared music, right? Pop in Mr. Kiesel's album. Your kids will love it, and you'll learn to love it, too. <laughs> um, Or as they get a little older, 20 questions, or um, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, or what have you. You can pass hours doing that. So understand, I'm not saying that you need to have some deep, heartfelt conversation every time you get in the car. But you are trying to build a relational bridge so that you can have those conversations when you need to. And that takes time and engagement. So there's another space where we can interact with technology differently. I'm not saying get rid of it, but we interact with it a little bit differently. That sets us up to succeed at our goal. Moses gives us a third thing, also in verse 7, ironically. Uh, When you lie down, and I'll just couple that with when you rise. Think about it for a second. 
how do you typically begin and end your day? If you follow statistics, odds are one of the first things you do in the morning is you reach for your phone, and odds are one of the last things you do is you watch a show. I'm guilty of that. It's typically how my mornings and evenings would go, uh, especially if I'm working late on a project or something like that. I would try to wake myself up from the bright light of the phone, right? Scrolling through Facebook or something like that. And if I have the time, it's so nice to just unwind, turn the brain off, and watch a show. <laughs> here's, what, here's what is a natural consequence of this I found. We squander away our, our, our well-intentioned moments in the morning and the evening to be with God and with our family. That it's amazing how two minutes on Facebook becomes 20. And then you've already committed, so I guess I'll just try tomorrow, right? The way we start and end our days matter. And if we toss in the, the natural perils of technology in the hands of students, it gets way worse. Um, too often, phones will just rob kids of sleep, right? Because they're waiting for the next post, the next text message, or they want to keep scrolling, just like we do. And then, of course, there is the, within the privacy of rooms, there's, um, as we know, the access to, or the ability to access and tragically even create sexual content. Andy Crouch, uh, who wrote a, an amazing book called The TechWise Family, puts it like this. He says, fatigue and isolation compound our immaturity and susceptibility to temptation. Or as I like to put it to students, nothing good happens past 10 p.m., especially if you're alone. And yet, electronic devices are, are actually quite commonplace in, in, in the bedroom. Um, Eight out of ten teens have their phones with them while they sleep. And they probably learned that from their parents. We're not much better. Seven of ten of us have our phones right next to our bedsides. And so how might, how might if our goal is to, to be wise and courageous in the shape that in our children, how might our startup and shutdown practices change or shift? I want to propose that our phones, or electronic devices in general, but specifically phones, they go to bed before we do. They wake up after we do. And if at all possible, they sleep in a different room. I've been doing this for a few weeks now. It's a game changer. It's been great for me to do. And I would, I would assume even more so for, for students who have access to them. <laughs> Here's why that's so important for us. Uh, there's a number of places that talk about in Scripture. The one that's most um, meaningful to me is in Psalm 92. Um, in the first two verses of Psalm 92, so context, the psalmist is writing about how good it is to praise the Lord, all the reasons why. And, and he says that it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. He sets up two extreme points. In the morning when I rise, I'm praising your steadfast love, your covenant faithfulness. In the evening, before I go to bed, I am praising you for your faithfulness, for the way this has been proven true today. 
In other words, the way that he begins and ends is he orients himself to God. And so I'd propose to you that, that rather than starting our day with this, grab your optional cup of coffee. Now it's required for some of you, but it is optional. And orient yourself to God. Close your day out, orienting yourself to God, because the way you begin and end your day shape the rest of your day. And that, that's kind of the point of, of, of verse 8, which is the, the bind it as a sign on your hands, and it shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Um, interpretive note, this is the proof that Moses is speaking metaphorically. There's no way Moses intended them to bind one and a half inch square boxes to their foreheads, though they do that. Um, his point is that the law of the Lord should be ever present with them. But let's be literal for a second. What is typically bound to our hands? What is typically glued to our foreheads? Our thumbs. We are so attached to them that they constantly cry out for our attention that we can't even leave the room for fear, without it for fear of missing something. In a lot of ways, uh, our, our phones have become our functional, a functional savior for us. They provide an escape from difficulty or boredom. Next time you're in a long line at Aldi or wherever you get your groceries, look around and see how many people have their phones out because they don't know how to handle the boredom. Or, uh, <laughs> or you know, people who go to the bathroom because they, they need, their, they need their, their phone hit, right? Um, for many, the phone becomes a primary means of gaining approval, of checking their approval ratings with their peers. And it, it gives us a lot of control over our lives. You can handle your bank and everything, just a few keystrokes from your phone. We've, we've deemed it essential. And so here's the challenge. Unbind it from your hand. Put it away from your eyes. Take a Sabbath from your devices. We, we typically think about Sabbath as the day I don't work, and that's good. Sabbath was intended to remind the Israelites what is optional and what is essential. It's God who is essential. He's the only one you can't actually do without. You can do without this. You can do without TV. And so there's a lot of ways that you can handle Sabbathing from your devices. Um, the one that I've seen that I, I, think, I think I like best because of the rhythm it creates is to Sabbath from your phone an hour every day. Intentionally, an hour every day, a day every week. Hold on to your, hold on to your seats. A week every year. My guess is that some of your heart started right. Oh, Caleb, I couldn't do that. That's why you need to do it. It's really not that hard. It's not that hard to turn the phone off or put it in the other room. I understand some of you have jobs. You can't do that or whatever. But at least for our students, that's a great move. It's a great move because it puts technology in its proper place. It moves it from the I can't survive without it to, huh, this isn't that bad. Yes, it's a difficult move. 
I don't mean to un, uh, like to shortchange it, but the opportunities that gives you are amazing. Imagine if, if during dinner, it was your Sabbath time, right? They have to look at you. <laughs> they have to tell you about their day because they can't just pull out their phone and start scrolling. Imagine what that would do for family vacation if no one had a cell phone. How awesome that would be. Again, any of these particulars might not work for you. I'm not handing these down as gospel. I'm just trying to start the conversation uh, about how we can coexist with technology and move toward the goal of parenting well. And honestly, there's, there's so much more that, that we could talk about. And we're going to talk about some of it. But, but my it's quite possible that you feel more overwhelmed now than about 30 minutes ago. But that's what makes this last verse in our passage so great. I have to be honest, it kind of was a head scratcher for me for a while. He says, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I don't think that Moses wanted them to go out and get like their (coughs) Philippians 4.13 sign and hang it over their kitchen or whatever. So what's he doing here? We have to remember that gates were like the public square in his time. It's where the community gathered. And so Moses makes this movement, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You shall do it as a family, and you shall do it as a community. See, I don't think Moses ever envisioned the Jenkins just trying to do this by themselves. I think what he envisioned was a community together moving toward producing children producing the next generation that loves the Lord with heart, soul, and strength. And so what I'd, what I'd like to do is move this more to a dialogue, because some of you have, have students who are in college now, right? And, and so there are things that you have learned that you wish you would have known when, when you had little kids. And, and there are some of you here who have younger kids that you're here because you want to be proactive. You are committed and excited about trying to raise kids in a way that honors God. Sometimes when you've been in the trenches for a while, you need to rub shoulders with those type of people to get your enthusiasm back, because sometimes you're just trying to make it through the day. And so what I'd like to do is kind of turn this a little bit more into a a Q&A. What are you guys facing? Not just the, the general, the world, or what, like, what are you facing? Like, where, where's the rub for you? And let's talk about it. I'll chime in, but I want this to be more of like a, a group dialogue engagement. Okay. Does anyone have something they, they want to throw out? I'll, I have, I have the, a, a great nibbler if, if we need it, but. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So this, this raises a couple of questions, right? It, when, when should a kid have a phone? And what type of phone do they have? Right? Which one do you want to hit first? <laughs> I, I, so 
I, and I, I hope you, I hope you've, you've kind of picked up that you as the parent have to decide how you will honor God well in your decisions. I cannot tell you they give it to her when she's 16. That's not my spot. They're, they're your kids, not mine. But, but I w- would love if, if someone has some experience of like, I gave mine when I was 12 and I was too young or whatever. What, what, what has worked? What hasn't worked? What? Right. So this is a good point, right? Behavior modification is not going to win the end of, at the end of the day. That, that's why our goal has to be wise and courageous individuals who love Jesus just a little bit more than the not a little bit more, love him more than the world, right? Um, one, one really cool thing I didn't know about until a week ago. Someone after church came up with like, hey, I heard you're doing this. I, want you to, I just want you to be aware this exists. It's called the techless phone. And so what it is, it's a smartphone with no apps. And so you call, text, maps, and a camera. But can't get Snap, can't get Twitter, or any other, like, a, and so um, you can also join Team Flip which, um, it, yeah, <coughs> flip, team flip them. They still make them, ironically. Um, this was rather yeah. nice embarrassment. <laughs> well, no, for sure. A, a for sure. They will use their friends, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and so that's where that techless phone yeah. becomes super, because it looks like a smartphone, and, and it has the camera quality and all those type of things. But it kind of short circuits some of the, the problem things. Do with it what you will. It, it's an interesting, it's like a good training wheel option, if you will. But, but eventually, like, eventually they're going to have access to everything. And, and so at, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and tragically, covenant eyes or firewalls or whatever you throw at it, there's always a way around it. Your kids are brilliant. They are very creative. If they want to get around it, they'll figure it out. Um, well, and that's what I think Moses is saying. Like, teach your kids about the Lord. You know, like, lay a foundation of understanding, of wisdom, of love for the Lord as the starting point. You know, because like you said, you know, things that cause men to sin are bound to come. <laughs> like, you can't live in this world without being exposed to those things but if you don't have a foundation to respond to them properly you're just going to be open to the attacks yeah. you know like the situation that happened with my son where he was called transphobic led to a whole conversation about how the, the culture is just really confused about gender yeah. <laughs> and we took him back to Genesis and said like here's what the Lord said in the beginning created male and female and so that actually became like an opportunity rather than something that was negative it, we were able to turn it into a positive yeah. yeah can I can I commend you for being different that's a good thing for, perhaps that's a testament of doing your job well so I I, but I, I get the disconnect like and, and I think one of the things, and my, my wife models this so much better than I do with our own kids, they're smarter than I give them credit for. Explaining to them why, they might not like it, but like, rather, and that's where like, how we talk about technologies, rather than it's evil and you, and you like stay away from like, we actually want you to flourish. That's, that's why we're being sticklers on this because we want, the absolute greatest for you, and it's not this thing right now. They might not, they're still not gonna like it. But I think, I think the way that we frame things does in fact help the conversation. So, so invite them into the conversation. You still hold the cards, but dialogue, like Elizabeth's 14, she can handle some conversations about it. What else are you guys facing? Yeah, Sandy, right? Yep. Yeah. I can say that you know, my daughter's 30, and she's just now, the grandkids are pretty intuitive. Yeah. A lot of apps like Disney Plus, this particular one, they change quite often. So the other day, they, the granddaughter picked on her tablet an adult movie on Disney Plus that yeah. she thought was blocked. Yeah. But she will now at 30 admit <coughs> her not having a cell phone that she was 15, or me taking the keyboard to work with me so she couldn't get on it. She can appreciate it now at 30. Yeah. She did not appreciate it at all as a teenager. Um, so, very important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
there is a pat. This is. A <laughs> I'll give you Caleb's translation of it. So in Hebrews 12, um, the writer is talking about how God disciplines those He loves, and he compares it to the discipline of the f- of a father. And, and ba- this is Caleb's translation of it. Our parents do the best they can. God does better, which is great, but it's also true. God does not call you to be the perfect parent. He calls you to do your best. And part of of parenting well is doing your best and entrusting God with your children. Yeah, thoughts, thoughts. I bought the Griffin app, which is awesome. It's got like an excellent app that you can put all the parental controls, all the filter in it, so you can control screen time. I know it's like my kids hate it because I control their access, but you know, like Caleb said, like, you know, and I was thinking like in Romans, I think it's 13, where God talks about the government was put into place and bears the sword to restrain the evil mm-hmm. of society. Well, in the same way, we have to restrain the evil inclinations of our children and restrict their ability, because they're naturally gonna go towards the things that they shouldn't be looking at. And You know, like my kids would get on these YouTube videos and watch this stupid stuff. And so, you know, I can like filter out particular websites. I can put like a profile setting based on their age, certain things like you know social media and other things so you have to restrain the access of your children even though they're gonna hate it you know where I've had the most problems like my daughter has her friends that have they have iPhones and they they're totally unrestricted and totally unparented <laughs> so she wants to sleep over at their house all the time and it's like that's a problem <laughs> like but uh, at least in my house there's restrictions with that Griffin and it's basically a router that has an app that attaches to it. <laughs> she doesn't know it, but actually I've already started doing that with um, uh, OpenDNS. It's what yeah. your router connects to a DNS server and that translates www.google.com into a, into a number. And that DNS server has the power of saying, no, I'm not gonna translate that for you. So when you put in something questionable, you literally cannot get out through your, your yeah. router. So with Griffin, it starts with a G, G-R-Y-P-H-O-N. I control their screen time too. So I've turned that into a little bit of a game where like they get like an hour a day and then they have to earn additional time. So I'm like, okay, James, you want another hour? <coughs> Go do the dishes. <laughs> and I'm serious. Like, I'm immediately like, okay, James. And I'll announce it to the kids. Like, whoever wants extra screen time, take the trash out. And they're, like, fighting over, you know, taking the trash out. I'm like, okay, extra half hour. But it's like, you know, I think we have to be wise as serpents. We have to be, like, steps ahead of them. And so this Griffin app, I think, is a great tool. So does that, to allocate a certain amount of screen time towards someone 
do they each have a dedicated device and that's how it works? Or yeah, so okay. you each of them have a profile and we put their devices on their profile. Okay, so, okay. so like if my son has the Switch, for example, on his profile, he has a Kindle and he has his phone. So he has three devices. Well, all of that is controlled by his profile and I can set the number of minutes that he has you know, the access that he has on all three devices. Could you do that on a shared device if like you have one switch? And <coughs> yeah, so you set up a unique profile for the okay. shared so device. So I like have the all the TVs okay. are on like okay. an individual TV device. Cool. I would just also say that um, be careful about what age you put your child as because for some things like when they turn 13, they have access to more stuff. Mm -hmm. So just make them younger because we found that yeah. something's Google, Google's declared that when your kid is 13 years old, they get access, their parental controls are disabled and they get access to whatever they want. So, you know, so I just went in and to my daughters and I said, no, you, you're not 13 anymore, you're nine. So can you, can you say a little bit more about how he wants to use it, or how you. Oh, I'm just planning for the future. Yeah, it's yeah. Not that yeah. He's wanting to right now. So, so here, with. <laughs> so, so we haven't even talked about video games, right? Um, which I know it's not a video game, but it's like one of those like engagement. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's the babysitter option, and then there's the engagement option, right? Like. I, I, the, the greatest way to safeguard, while like Griffin is good and all that type of stuff, if you do it with him, or you do it with him, right? And, and so, um, like, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of, of, of Mario Kart. You get four or eight people together, it's a shared experience. It's very different than your, son locking himself away in his room for three hours playing Call of Duty with who knows who, right? Uh, yeah, but so the Griffin is a, is a great option. I, but that takes a lot of time, right? It takes time to set up. It takes time to stay engaged. Um, the, the, so the Hebrew language is a lot of like visual imagery when they talk about things. And when Moses talks about teaching it to your children, it being on your hearts, the mental imagery is a stonemason carving a beautiful sculpture. It is slow, it is painstaking, but we are, we are trying to, cr we're trying to be Michelangelo's crafting of David. And that, that's a lifelong <laughs> pursuit. It's gonna take a lot of work, but it's worth it. Yes? One thing that I wanted to say, and I, I don't know anything about Griffin, so, but, um, you know, anytime we put filters on something, we're outsourcing mm -hmm. what, how that filter works. Like for instance, you know, you go on the Disney Plus, Peter Pan is protected adults only because of one Native American scene. Yeah. I don't like the scene, but hey, but RuPaul Drag Queen Story Hour is okay good kids material. So what's <laughs> yeah. you know, there that's an example of okay, we've outsourced it to okay, Disney decides what is appropriate for our kids. Yeah. And we gotta be careful not not to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, Griffin might, might be great, but you got to do some research on what are they considering yeah. inappropriate material, because they might think RuPaul is great material. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it's <laughs> tough, because we've gotten to the point where we're, we're just like, should we just cancel Disney Plus? Mm -hmm. Because their values don't line up with our values. 
You know, and they're promoting like the homosexual agenda. Mm-hmm. Like you said. I mean, and it's a tough call because you hate to like get rid of all the good content because of one or two bad things. <laughs> Aladdin is it's not kids because there's one um, character in there the Middle Eastern that has a bigger nose than normal. That's that's against that's not children's material, but but you know, to RuPaul's some, okay. <laughs> to some of this, and I, I want to be careful not to strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Like, uh-huh. You know, I'm RuPaul on Disney. Yeah, that's a problem. But uh-huh. I'm just saying, like, if you're not protecting your kids oh, from like sure. hardcore porn mm-hmm. on the internet by filtering it, that's a problem. You're swallowing a camel and you're straining out a gnat by mm-hmm. you know limiting Disney Plus. I'm not saying filtering is not good. I'm saying that I, I just want to bring attention to we got to pay attention to who is doing the filtering. Is it us or is it a third party that... Well, it's it's too. This is where, like I was saying earlier, it's like you can only eliminate so much bad. It's like you've got to offset that. you got to bring in the good. you got to show them, you know, the good, the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, so, yeah, our kids do have Chromebooks, and we have ways of doing our own monitoring of things and you know one day I, 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 I it was just like some music or something that I saw and so I what I did is I sat down with my daughter I said I just want you to just show me what you're looking at I just yeah. you know just let's sit down show me let's go through you know and ask her about stuff and then asking basically because yes yeah, she's older but putting on her to be the filterer well what do you think about this mm-hmm. this music um, you know what's and asking her like forcing her into a situation where she had to think, is this something that I should have on here? And, and then I said, well, let's, you know. So she came to the conclusion about things she might need to get rid of. Yeah. And, um, you know, I said, well, we'll look, you know, we'll look at it again. We'll look at this yeah. from time to time. Yeah. So that we're not constantly externally controlling, yeah. but forcing her to start to. Did you want her to be wise? Yeah. We want her to think about yeah. it, right? want her to be wise. No, I'm not saying she's. Probably go back out there. <laughs> There's probably, you yeah. know, she's going to need lots of. Oh, that's going to need to happen lots of times. Of course, yeah. So that that's a big one, right? How much access do parents have to their kids' devices? I would I would propose to you you have as much access as you need. Uh, now that doesn't I I don't I, I, let me let me preface that yes, <coughs> you should have access to your kids' passwords, and you should at any point be able to take your child's devices and say, I'd like to see what's, what you're looking at or what you're doing. I, I, I think I would be a little wary of, I, I, I know people that like they, they can see every little movement or whatever. I think I want to be a little careful with that just to allow, you want them to be, like, you, you want them to develop wisdom, right? And if they have no option to choose anything, there's no chance for, for wisdom. As a counterculture, or like counterintuitive as it is, you want your kids to fail under your roof. You want them to struggle now because once they go off to college, you are not there to help them. It's a good thing to struggle. Um, yeah. I think we only have a couple minutes left. Is there any other things we can talk about that we would like to talk about?
I'm not anti-filtering it. It's just exactly what he said, though. That that um. But those are all yeah, all great bumpers. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I I am no expert on technology. I, like I said, five and three. I'm not where a lot of you guys are, um, but but I. I am happy to, to dialogue and try to help you through through the journey. I, I do want to, so uh, closing comments, but I, so if, if you're interested in, in thinking more about how can we do this in a God-honoring way, I'd like to recommend two resources to you. Uh, the first, and I cannot, th this book is on my everyone should read it regardless of your stage of life category of book. So it's, uh, and I've already mentioned it, it's called The TechWise Family by a guy named Andy Crouch. Andy is uh, the executive editor for Christianity Today. He is a fantastic writer and thinker. I have yet to come across something that I didn't, that I wasn't challenged by and like thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, so Andy Crouch, the TechWise family. Crouch, C-R-O-U-C-H. Um, I, I also have like cheat sheets if you don't want to read the books that has the information about the books. The other book um, is called Restless Devices. Uh, it's by a, a professor out in California who is a cultural sociologist of media and, tech, uh, media and digital technologies. Her name is Felicia Wu Song. Uh, and I'm not going to try to spell it or anything. It's, it's, at the, it's footnoted at the bottom. Um, I have not read her book in, an in its entirety, but the parts I've read have been very good. Each one of them propose a set of commitments that they require of their students or have tried to keep as their, fam uh, as their family to keep technology in its proper place. I have condensed those on this sheet for you. This is not gospel. Don't go home and just do this. This is to help the conversation go. To, to give you tracks to run on as you think through how can we shepherd our children well. So, um, I, I, hope, I, I, I hope that you are emboldened to be wise and courageous as you try to make wise and courageous children. Uh, and and I, I hope that, that you, you've picked up that... Um, you will have better success if you embody it rather than simply enforce it. If, if you are doing X, Y, and Z, and you tell them you can't do X, Y, and Z, you better have a really good reason why that is. And, and it might be helpful, because a lot of the things that we talked about are just as impactful for us as it is for them. Uh, so, um, all that to say, I hope this has been helpful for you. If I can, like, like I said, if I can be of further help, I'd love to. Um, if you want to take one, pass it on. No, you won't hurt my feelings if you don't take one. Um, can I pray for you? Uh, and then we can be dismissed. <sighs> Father, we come before you, and uh, we thank you uh, that you have told us what you require of us. Uh, Father, we, um, Father, we desire to love you, heart, soul, and strength. But we need help. Our kids need help, Father. Would you give us wisdom and courage in a, a 
bent and messed up world to love you above all else, to show and to teach our children to do the same. Would you give uh, each one here um, perseverance as we are playing the long game? This is not a one-time conversation or a sprint. It's a marathon, Father. Would you give us endurance? Would you help us to fix our eyes on your son uh, who loves us and gave himself for us? Uh, Father, we, uh, we commit ourselves to you. We commit our kids to you. Father, would you be at work in their lives, be at work in our lives, Father, shaping us to the image of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.